This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. We have finite space in the port, um, and we have industries taking up space right now. And some of those industries, like the oil industry, are a dying industry. And we have to we have to think ahead as a community and create space or set the table for the industries that we want to have. And mm-hmm. this is the first step to doing that. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Today on Crossing Division, we are talking with Melissa Mallet from Citizens for a Healthy Bay about what is going on with the tide flats, um, regulations, zoning, LNG plants, all of those things having to do with our environmental well-being of our seaport and tide flats area. So welcome, Melissa. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. So why don't we start, why don't you start by telling a, a little bit about what is Citizens for Healthy Bay? What have you been focused on and, you know, what are some of the projects that you do? Yeah. Um, so Citizens for Healthy Bay is Tacoma's community environmental group. Uh, we started 31 years ago. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but our tide flats uh, and Commencement Bay were uh, some of the most polluted waters in the country. Uh, there was the Asarco copper smelter. That was a huge Superfund site. And um, in fact, it was one of eight Superfund sites and one of hundreds and hundreds of contaminated sites. So uh, Citizens for Healthy Bay was developed by people who thought that the community should have a voice in those cleanups because they wanted the cleanups to happen faster and better than they would have happened otherwise. And it was um, it was back when the Superfund law was newer and they realized that government was starting to not give out information like it had before. And so, um, so they wanted people to have a voice. So we've been the people's voice in the cleanup of contaminated sites for 31 years. Um, and then in the 90s, we bought a boat and we started p- patrolling for pollution and bad actors. Um, and then in the last um, in the last couple of years, we focused on um, additional issues like you know overall threats to the bay. And one of the biggest threats to the bay is actually climate change. And so we're focused on doing what we can in Tacoma to address climate change and prepare for climate change. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit about us. We're a six person team. Um, and we're a really great team and, uh, you know, I think punch above our weight and just do what we can to, to protect, uh, Tacoma and make this a better community. That's good. That's great. Um, let me ask you and go a little off what I had you mean talk about a little bit about climate change. Do you have it? And I'm let me put this in context. So, any rise in the sea levels is going to be a significant impact. I would say to the entire city of Tacoma, but especially down to our industrial lands at the port Absolutely. and the tide flats. I mean, it's at sea level now. So, even you know an inch or so is going to cause things to be underwater. Is it your sense that the businesses in that area and the port grasp? significance and the fact that this is apparently happening much more quickly than we had previously thought? Um, I think it's kind of a mixed response to that. Um, I think industry, a lot of industries do know, and I mean, insofar as they're driven by profits, they have to be preparing for those costs. Um, But there's, there's something happening where people are dragging their feet and don't want to, um, it just seems like there's not a lot of changing of practices or preparing for the future in terms of what the tide flats should look like. Um, so it's, it's frustrating. And, you know, we've, we've been in hearings lately where the city's talking about this and talking about, you know, in context of what should we envision these tide flats to be and what type of industry and what do we want this to look like? You know, there've been port people who just nitpick, 
um, you know, non-relevant parts of reports or maps or whatever. And it, it seems like they're just trying to create questions and, you know, cause another uh, discussion about like, is climate change real when we all know it absolutely is. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly how to answer that, except it's, it's kind of mixed. Yeah. That's kind of what I sense too, is that, um, for a lot of people, including people in government who get briefings on things like this, it's still like sort of, you know, that's like out there, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like Mount Rainier blowing up. I mean, it could <laughs> happen, but you know, I'm really worried about today and jobs and things like that. Whereas I keep thinking, you know, I thought that a little bit too, but the latest scientific reports are, are sort of giving us a 12-year countdown over significant yeah. impacts. That's, I mean, I said to a friend, you know, I thought I'd be dead before the significant impacts happened. And now I'm thinking, hmm, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the deadlines that we're, we're really focused on right now is 2030 and yeah. making a 50% reduction in emissions before 2030. Um, and yeah, we will be seeing, imp- we are seeing impacts already, right? You know, mm-hmm. wildfires and some sea level rise, uh, the sea level rise that's happened already isn't affecting us very much in Tacoma, but um, wildfires are. I mean, you know, as my team thinks about whether we can get back into the office um, with, you know, once we're all vaccinated, we're like, okay, well, get back into the office. And then when is it going to be so smoky that it's just really horrible to keep the windows open in our office? Um, So people are starting to plan like planning around wildfire smoke it's that's crazy that's crazy in the pacific northwest yeah that is and and really that's feels like a fairly recent phenomenon i mean i i don't remember having uh smoke impacts like more like five years ago 10 years ago i don't remember that being as regular an occurrence as it is now so that's recent change yeah let me ask you about some of the planning activities and I'm particularly interested. Um, the planning commission has been working on something called non-interim regulations. This is the <laughs> worst, the worst <laughs> messaging on any policy campaign I've ever been a part of. Like <laughs> it's <We're>, the worst. <laughs> because you, I mean, I, interim regulations is something you usually have while you're developing the regulations. Right. Yeah. That's not what this is. (laughs) Um, That's correct. So uh, I I have to tell this as a story uh, that kind of puts it all into context so people understand why this happened. Um, You know, about five years ago, there was a report that came out that Tacoma was a targeted city for expansion of fossil fuels. We were the top three in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And um, and people knew like we have to, you know, it was after the methanol plant had, uh, debacle had happened. It was, it was as people were learning about LNG and people were just like, this is not the way that we want to go. And um, so actually Marilyn Strickland, the former mayor, she tried to pull together a sub area planning process to envision you know, to develop the community vision for what the tide flats should look like and the appropriate planning documents along with that so that we could get to that community vision. Um, you know, the port and industry just completely poo-pooed it. There was one meeting and then nothing happened. Um, and so a couple months later, some of us were like, well, we still have this issue with this threat from oil industries and we need to take care of that. So um, Ryan Mello, who was on city council at the time, introduced um, this uh, ban on oil companies. And it got a lot of, uh, there was a lot of blowback from the port. And what um, what ended up happening is that the city council said, you know, planning commission, you look at this and see what we should be doing about fossil fuels and these high risk industries that are similar to that in our port. And let us know. And so they did throughout that summer. And in the fall of 2017, uh, they recommended that we ban oil companies, uh, new oil companies from coming to Tacoma and ban expansions of existing companies. 
And um, what ended up passing was a ban of new oil companies, but there was that loophole left in there of allowing existing companies to come to Tacoma. And, you know, true to the fear, like Seaport Sound is literally expanding right now. You know, the oil companies have a lot of um, ability to expand under their existing state permits, and they are doing that. Uh, So that regulation that got passed then was called the interim regulation because the idea was that we're, uh, we're going to do sub area planning. You know, at that point, all of, you know, a bunch of people had come to the table to want to do sub area planning because they were worried about this ban on oil companies. So sub area planning just started to very, very slowly move forward. And, you know, the port and industry said, this is going to take like maybe two or three years, maybe 18 months. Um, we don't need these interim regulations. We'll take care of it. But um, city council said, well, we're just going to, we're going to put this oil ban in place in the interim. That's the interim regulation. And it's just going to have to be renewed every six months. Hmm. So since 2017, we have been, um, except for the first year, there was, it was in place for one year. And then after that, you had to do it every six months. Every six months, we go back to city council. Every six months, the community asks for this and shows up and it's, um, it just has to be renewed every six months. And, mm-hmm. you know, meanwhile, sub-area planning is going extremely slowly. Um, you know, there's the, the city to its credit. And I think uh, this shows Victoria's vision. She's brought in the key governmental stakeholders and they've made it a stakeholder process. Um, so the, the city's involved, the city of Fife, Pierce County, the port, and the Puyallup tribe of Indians, so the five major governments in the area. Um, and so that's really good, but there's been a lot of delay and digging in heels when it, when it comes down to conversations about uh, this vision. And so, so, um, you know, last fall when we were saying, look, it's been at this point, it's been three and a half years. Like we need to take care of this. Um, Victoria said, you know, this should go back to the planning commission. Um, so she sent the issue to the planning commission again, and now they've come back with recommendations that we make the ban on oil, new oil companies permanent, and that we ban the expansion of oil companies. And they've take they've added a couple other things that are um, things that they've heard along over the past four years need to be addressed as part of it. Like, um, for example, um, there's certain place, you know, we're, we're in a housing crisis and there's certain places in the tide flats and like in industrial areas where housing is allowed, like housing is permitted. And that's not a very compatible use, but there are very small areas where it's appropriate given what companies are there. And so they, they said, you know, there should be conditional use permits for housing in these industrial areas. And so they, there's little things like that that are tacked into it, but the main gist of it is that it's, it's a permanent or it's a code change to make this so that we don't have to renew it every six months. See. Um, Yeah. So for the, for non-interim, it means it doesn't have to be renewed every six months, but these would be sort of, I guess I would say the working regulations while the plan commission continues to work on the sub area plan. That's a great way of putting it because the problem with saying permanent is that laws can be changed anytime. You know, it's not actually permanent. It's just, it would be a code change that wouldn't have to be renewed every six months. All right. That makes sense to me. Um, So I have from your uh, citizens for healthy Bay sort of fact sheet, um, this list of what the proposed non-interim regulations would do. Um, so prohibits smelting, quarrying, mining, and coal storage and export citywide. Is that something that, is that a uh, likely risk or are we just being careful of things that might, someone might come up with as a brilliant idea soon? There are things that were in the code as high risks that we just wanted to capture as saying, this is what we don't want to do. Okay, good. Uh, creates a buffer, a, creates buffer areas to limit conflicts between 
heavy industry and nearby homes. I mean, that's something I was hearing about several years ago. So that's yeah. positive. Um, uh, makes notification of proposed developments more equitable by notifying everyone within a 2,500 foot radius, not just homeowners. Yep. You know, right now, um, there's people that are in apartments that wouldn't get a notification if something was happening within that radius. And so it's, it's just making sure that people know it's not reliant on a landlord to tell their tenants. Good. Well, one of the things that I think has always been a sticking point um, in, in the port area, I think, is um, people being aware of what's being done with enough time, enough lead time to sort of voice some kind of um, complaint or feedback. And do you think this will help with that process to make things a little bit more transparent than they have been? It definitely will help people who are, yeah, renting an apartment um, mm-hmm. in that area. That's It's just one less step that has to be done. You know, one less thing that you have to be constantly vigilant for you'll, Mm -hmm. if you're one of those people, like you will receive the notification automatically. Mm -hmm. Um, Creates a pathway for renewable fuel facilities through a conditional use permit. Um, Tell me what that means. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that we, we do want to have as part of our vision for the future, this is one of the things I want to talk about a little bit more is, um, you know, there's amazing opportunity for Tacoma to be a hub for, clean energy and clean industry and, and the innovation that it's going to take to get us into that sustainable future and have renewable fuels into the future. And so, um, you know, one of some of the facilities that are primed to, to do that are the oil companies that are there. And they have said that they are, are starting to use renewable fuels and want to expand, um, into renewable fuels. And so, um, you know, we have a little bit of skepticism about that because there have been lots of things that have been called renewable fuels, like corn ethanol, where mm-hmm. after a couple of years you realize, oh, it actually takes more fossil fuel oil to make this gallon of corn ethanol than you actually get um, of corn ethanol. And so we, you know, not everything falls under renewable fuels. We want there to actually be a a definition. We want the, it actually to be renewable fuels. And so the conditional use permit is a way for the city to have more scrutiny over a permitting process and just say like, we want to take a closer look and understand like, is this actually what it, what we want or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, it's just a way to add an extra layer of scrutiny to make sure that it's what we want. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. That but makes I'm, sense. I think it would be really exciting to have there there's so many opportunities for renew, renewable fuels in our in our city and there would be you know clean jobs and good jobs that come along with that and the innovation that goes along with it is a holds huge potential for us. Mm-hmm. Good. Um I'll take the two the next two together. One is um prohibits the manufacture of petrochemicals, explosives and non-organic fertilizers citywide, and also prohibits the development of new fossil fuel facilities with a stored capacity greater than 1 million gallons. Mm-hmm. Um, so are these, these are purely for new uses or do they have any impact on existing businesses? Um, the f- so the one that's about uh, facilities that have more than 1 million of mm-hmm. storage would be yeah, new new facilities. We don't want to have we don't want to have any new fossil fuel facilities. But yeah. the planning commission made a recommendation at that million gallon threshold. Um, so I I can understand why, even though I think it's better if we just say no, absolutely. And um, what was the first bullet point that you it just was read? about uh, the petrochemicals, explosives, and non organic fertilizers? Yeah, I believe that that's about, that's about the expansions. We don't want to see expansions of existing facilities. Gotcha. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, the the other was um, prohibits existing fossil fuel facilities from building new infrastructure that increase their ability to move fossil fuels through Tacoma. 
which includes driveways, private rail sidings, docks, refinery equipment, piers, wharves, and uh, floats and storage tanks. And that's actually about the expansions that we don't want to see. So prohibits expansions. The prior one was about new, uh, prohibiting new facilities that were in that high risk that category. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Um, in your in the fact sheet, it also said, "Look, these are good proposals. It it may not go as far as we would like it to go, but." This is a positive step. So tell me a little bit more about sort of um, your assessment of good, maybe not fabulous, but not so bad for right now. Yeah, I mean, we, there's the the 1 million gallon threshold. We we're not happy with that because we, we should just say absolutely no more. We don't need additional fossil fuel companies. We don't need additional fossil fuel cap capacity. So mm -hmm. we would prefer that there's not that 1 million gallon threshold. Yeah. And, um, but we do think it's good to say no expansions, you know, yeah. at all. Um, we, you know, there's, I think that a conditional use permit is appropriate for the renewable fuels question. Mm -hmm. And this, I don't know if you listened to the hearing last night at city council, but there was, a huge amount of blowback and people, this is what happens in every process where conditional use permits are brought up. You know, industry says that it creates uncertainty and no one's ever going to be able to get anything done, but conditional use permits are a, an essential part of the planning process. Like schools get conditional use permits all the time. Conditional use permits are just when you're talking about a use that needs a little bit extra scrutiny so that people know that it's what the community wants. Um, and so uh, there was the predictable blowback, but um, I, I hope that city council just sees that this is, you know, with the shenanigans that have been played with renewable fuel projects in the past, it's mm -hmm. appropriate to make sure that we, we know what's being proposed. Mm -hmm. So well, I know um, I had provided some comments back, and I think and many, many people did on the, um, I still call them Targa, um, the Seaport Sound um, request mm -hmm. to expand their storage capacity. That um, is a pretty dramatic increase in how much um, fuel storage capacity they have. And, and I'm also concerned about, you know, well, how does the fuel get here? How long does it stay here? How does it leave here? I mean, it's not just saying I'm going to, it was like, if I say I'm going to expand my refrigerator from the current one refrigerator to five refrigerators, which should be no big deal because I'm already approved for a refrigerator. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's like, no, because then how are you going to fill those five, you know, four times more refrigerators? how many more times are you going to drive to the market? How many, you know, how much more waste are you creating? I mean, anytime you expand, you're going to have all kinds of um, additional impacts. And, mm -hmm. I, and I haven't seen the end of that, but that's my only experience with the sort of existing businesses using the loophole of being able to say, we can still continue to do business and we can expand if it's sort of similar to what we're doing now. I think they've been at least, at least the Seaport Sound Group has been pretty aggressive in expanding that that loophole. Uh, oh, absolutely! Is, is that I've what you've seen, seen from others too, or is it just them? Um, I will say that, uh, yeah, it's the oil companies that have been most aggressive in expanding that loophole, and you know, PSE is lobbying very hard against the non-interim regulations. They don't like this because. They do want to expand. They want to add two additional lines. I mean, their whole business model is built on having um, additional ships, you know, buying their fuel. And so, yeah, it's the oil companies. It's the energy companies that are doing this. Um, and, you know, I also have to say that U.S. oil and Targa slash Seaport Sound have, uh, have permits in place that I've never seen anything like before. So with their state permits under the, um, like their clean, clean air act permit, mm -hmm. they usually businesses get a permit that allows them to have capacity. That's like how they operate. 
or at, mm-hmm. you know, at the level that they operate plus a little bit of buffer. And I'm yeah. very, I'm simplifying this a lot, but usually permits are built around how much um, you're going to be operating, what the capacity is that you need that permit to contain. It's sort of like a, like a cost of living adjustment, really. It's like, yeah. you know, things, things are going to change. Businesses are going to change. We understand that you may need to go up a little bit as your business changes, but, but you wouldn't expect it to go up like 30%, 50%, Except their permits allow them to increase in size like 500%. Right. So it's, I've never seen anything like that before. It is extremely difficult to get information about this from PISCA, um, mm-hmm. the Puget Sound Clean Air Agency. And um, it's it's crazy how how they could do an expansion here and you know they don't have to get these these state level permits that are usually the point of um mm-hmm. are usually the thing that's kind of like keeping people in bounds and we don't even know when these huge permits like we don't know how how long ago or how long they've been sitting there with this additional capacity that they could take advantage of but they do they have been rising in their um you know throughput of oil and um, it's essentially like, you know, if this was done 10 years ago before we knew how urgent climate change was, like we should, we have the right or we should have the right to review whether this is what we want to have in our community now. Right. Um, having a state agency decide this thing that wasn't as relevant, you know, 15 or 20 years ago is, is really not the right thing for Tacoma right now. So we should have, we do need these limits in place uh, because they are able to expand and the usually the usual uh, checks and balances are not there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about last night's hearing and what your thoughts were on that. Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties, and I know the players for every niche. Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling, and you can rest easy knowing you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you want to learn more, visit MoveToTacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. We're back talking with Melissa Mallet from Citizens for a Healthy Bay. Uh, before we get back into the nitty gritty, let me just say, if you are not yet a Channel 253 member, please consider joining us. It is $4 a month or $40 a year. And you not only help us put on these great podcasts talking about local issues, but you will also get access to a few member perks, including the Off the Record podcast hosted by our producer, Doug Mackey. Um, Doug and I were just talking a little bit ago about exciting things you can do in Las Vegas on that podcast. And you will also have access to the Channel 253 member Slack channel, which I got to tell you, I now use for everything, including like, you know, today asking, give me some good recommendations for takeout food. So um, consider upping your local information quota and joining us on Channel 253. All right, Melissa, tell me about the hearing last night. Tell me what it what it its purpose was and how it went. Yeah, so this was the the big public hearing before city council um, does its first reading of the regulations. So it was just community feedback on 
the recommendation from the planning commission to city council and, um, and what should happen. And so I don't know the number of people that showed up to testify, but it went on for hours. This amazing community showed up again to tell city council again that they think that our city needs to be a hub of clean energy, that we want clean industry, that we want to address climate change and that we want good quality of life and good jobs and a clean environment. So, um, yeah, there was, there were, you know, I don't know if it was hundreds of people submitted comments, uh, either verbally or in writing, but, um, yeah, I I think it was probably over 70 that spoke. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, vast majority were, um, in support of taking up the planning commission's, uh, recommendations. And then the, you know, industry players showed up as well. They had done their action alerts and there were, uh, comments, you know, from people that were like reading the industry newsletter talking points, but, um, overall I was super happy with it and how, um, people are just passionate about this. They care about the city and they want, they want to have a clean place for their kids to grow up. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you get any sense from the city council members, how they were reacting to it or were they just sort of poker face taking the information in? Um, I think that it was actually, I, you know, completely candidly, I was a little bit confused about, um, some of the vibes that I was getting from people. Uh, I know the mayor really cares about, you know, I think she gets fired up by people testifying and she likes it when people show that they care enough to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know how everyone, how it was coming across to people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think city council members try to stay pretty poker face just to, um, yeah. Yeah, that's been my experience in other um, public hearings or when they're taking community um, feedback is that that means they sort of sit there like a mannequin and don't provide much of a response. It's frustrating, too, because there's things that um, I feel like, you know, I'll say something and then I hear a city council person say something that means they didn't hear what I said and. And so, you know, we, we heard certain things from the industry folks, like, you know, this is a rush process, Uh but it's been going on since 2017. Like, yeah, yeah. This is literally the second recommendation from planning commission on this topic. And so what, almost, almost five years. Um, It's, it's kind of crazy, but then we heard a city council person that someone talked to someone and they were saying, yeah, it's, it's kind of rushed. And it's like, really, how does, how do you think that right now? So, um, well, I mean, I can remember in 2017 during the mayor's race, this was a, we had a whole forum on environmental issues, which we hadn't ever had before. And a lot of it was because of the LNG plant, um, you know, the methanol plant had sort of already been scuttled, but the LNG plant was still in its early days. So, you know, that's, it is simply not true that anything has been rushed on the tide right. flats or in the port. It is not rushed. But I will say that if it's not something that you are paying attention to, you can kind of lose, you know, use your lose your place in where things are at. Um, but certainly not rushed. Um, what happens next? What's the when does the city council um, act on this? Um, let me just add a little bit more to my answer, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the this is one of the tribe's top priorities for the city this year to to have this be approved. And um, council members Annette Bryant and Anna Bean showed up last night and were um, it was actually pretty funny because uh, just in that they were so blunt. Like, you know, we keep coming to these hearings. You know, they had to fit in what they were trying to say into 90 seconds and they're supposed to be equal partners with the city. And this is the umpteenth time that they've had to do it. And they just kind of called the question of like, is this, is this a 50, 50 relationship? Like, 
is, does this mean anything? Like, where's the trust? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, it was really good to, to see that them being that candid. Um, and I think it was really brave of them to be that way. And so, um, yeah, I hope the city listens to that because I, I would say, uh, from an observer's perspective, I see zero actual cooperation going on between the city and, you know, reaching out to the tribe. And, you know, I find it surprising. I find it surprising both in terms of government to government relationships. I find it surprising since there are so many um, city activities that look to the tribe for additional funding, you know, oh, you want to put on a first night this year, then let's go ask the tribe for a contribution. Um, every cultural group will ask the tribe for a contribution. Um, and we have the tribe and their activities, including the casinos being really one of the major drivers of economic development in the county, you know, not oh, just in the city. Um, yeah. So it's sort of like, you know, if we had uh, Boeing, we would probably try a little bit harder to have a good relationship with them. And I, and I think the city really takes the tribe for granted. And I, and I can only say that the tribal council members that I've met have been extraordinarily gracious and patient and willing to continue to try to, you know, find some positive connections. And if I were in their shoes, I would be really very um, angry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm glad they continue to work on it because I would be angry. Yeah. It, yeah. I would imagine maybe it feels like tokenism to have like a, mm -hmm. you know, a bridge named for the tribe uh, right. in recognition. But then when you're asking for an actual policy change on something, mm -hmm. it, you know, you don't get paid attention to. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hope so too. I hope they listen. Yeah. Um, but you had asked what, what's next? What's the time frame? Yeah. So May 11th. Uh, so two weeks from last night is the first reading. And then May 18th is the, is the final vote. And, um, all of this needs to get wrapped up by, June 6th, I believe, because that's when the interim regulation would expire and we would be uh, exposed to new fossil fuel companies again. Wow. Okay. Um, will there be further opportunities to send um, comments to the city council? I mean, I, I could send an email to them now or I may wait a little bit closer to the first reading sort of to um, let them know how I feel about it. Would that be appropriate? I think it's appropriate to send, to speak up to city council members at any point uh, mm -hmm. when you, when you want to, you know, offer your thoughts about leadership for the city. But I will say that it is really important to do it now because I think that city council members are processing what they heard and um, trying to put everything together. And if there's, you know, if there's negotiations or compromises to be had, um, everyone's thinking about it right now. So the more people that speak up and show city council members that they're paying attention and that they want, uh, want this passed, it is more important now. And I just, I want to say like, as an environmentalist, sometimes it just feels like everything's about saying no to stuff, but I actually view this as saying yes to something like we have finite space in the port. Um, and we have industries taking up space right now. And some of those industries, like the oil industry, is, are a dying industry. And we have, to, we have to think ahead as a community and create space or set the table for the industries that we want to have. And mm -hmm. this is the first step to doing that. Mm -hmm. So what you're really talking about is truly trying to have a vision for where is Tacoma going? And, exactly. how, and how do we put the plan together so that we end up where we want to end up? Yep. Yeah. The sub area plan is that, is that process for coming up with that vision and developing the plan to get there. The non-interim regulations are just to take some of the contentiousness out of that and just settle it from the beginning. Like we do not want this set of industries to expand and be, you know, a bigger part of Tacoma. Mm -hmm. um, 
nothing about the regulations would shut down any industries or anything. It's, it's just saying we do not want to, you know, breathe more air into that. So, um, yeah, it is, it is truly about developing this vision and this pathway to the future. Well, tell me a little bit about that. And I, and I, you know, I would, I'd like to ask you about the LNG, um, plant also, but, what what do you think is the is the vision the opportunities for the future? You've mentioned the um, you know alternative fuels and things like that, but to me, when I look at the port and the tide flats area, it is so well situated to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's flat. Um, the land is ready to be you know built upon or developed in some way. It has access to a deep water port. It has access to freeways. It yep. has, you know, a um, airport 20 miles away. I mean, it is really extremely well located. And and I think, you know, using it for some of the old industries as we have been, fine. But, you know, it's it's really, especially when you compare it to like the port of Seattle, which is the port is totally hemmed in. It can't expand anywhere. You know, it's in the middle of the city. It's not in a good, you know, deep water port location. Um, the rail lines are in the middle of freeways and traffic and all kinds of development. I mean, Tacoma is just a much better um, location to, you know, to set up all kinds of different industries yeah. that, that, you know, that want to develop. Yeah. I mean, there's... There are so many industries that are committing to fossils or uh, emissions-free operations by, you know, a, you know, some at some point in the next couple decades. Shipping lines, especially, are really impressive because, um, like Maersk Shipping Line, an international shipping line, has said that they're going to have emissions-free ships by 2030, mm-hmm. and then their entire company will be emissions-free by 2050. And the, you know, Maersk has big ships that some of them come to Tacoma. And so the innovation and research and development that it's going to take, and then the manufacturing it will take to create emissions-free ships is a huge opportunity. Like we should be in on that. We have amazing technology here. We have research facilities. Um, We could be part of that. And, you know, Shortly after Maersk announced that, I heard about this thing that the governor announced called Maritime Blue. And I heard that it was about bringing together um, the port and, you know, manufacturers potentially and innovation and research and development. And I, when I first heard about it, I assumed that it was in Tacoma because I was like, oh, this is, we have room for it. We have, we literally have space for it. We have you know, cheaper housing than Seattle, you know, like I assumed that it was going to be in Tacoma. And then, you know, a little bit later, I heard that it was based in Seattle and it was just really disappointing because, um, like you said, we just have, we have that space. We have, we are so primed for it. And, um, and there's been some movement since then, like Tacoma has joined the initiative since then. Um, but I just think it's something that we should be absolutely jumping on. You know, the the space where the methanol plant was going to go is mm-hmm. still open. Like mm-hmm. there's, there is open space and there's um, plenty of people. There's workers here. There's training programs here to get people up to speed. Um, there's just so much opportunity. And mm-hmm. so I just think we we could be that hub of clean industry and innovation into the future. Yeah, I would love to see that. Well, um, thinking of that, let's talk about the LNG plant. That was yeah. built as, you know, a bridge fuel to try to cut down on, you know, to be a less polluting alternative to the diesel fuel and the bunker fuel. I, I'm not sure if anyone really completely bought that. Um, but what's the status of, of the LNG um, facility and what do you think is going on? with that whole project? Um, I'm sorry that I, there was a hearing on it the other day that I have not been, uh, I have not heard what happened yet on it. Um, I, I know people are pretty frustrated about it, but, um, so I can't give an update about that and I'm sorry. 
That's fine. I mean, I there was I know there was a hearing before the Pollution Control Hearings Board, and I know that the uh, Attorney General's Office put in an amicus brief, which is helpful. Uh, and I think that um, the issue is um, resolving around the um, Puget Sound um, Clean Air Agency, and you know whether um, certain air standards are being met, but I haven't really followed it either. As far as I can tell, the um, production facility is just sitting, it's completed, I think, and sitting vacant. Um, I'm not, but more than that, I don't know. So we may hear more when the Pollution Control Hearings Board issues uh, a decision, but I'm not that up on that one either. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When we learn, we'll also post about it. Um, I will say, though, that I I saw an article in the New York Times today that um, scientists are basically recognizing that uh, addressing, you know, CO2 emissions alone is not going to get us anywhere close to dealing with climate change. And so there's a focus on methane and methane is the primary element of natural gas. And um, there's going to be... um, just a lot more effort put into stopping methane's methane emissions because they're mm-hmm. so harmful for climate change. Well, we're starting to see more um, proposals to either, and I'm thinking down in California, but Washington had something too that, and now I can't remember the details of um, not allowing new development or new facilities to have uh, natural gas um hookups, you know, not have, uh, so in a new housing development, you would not have the natural gas um, stoves or heaters or, um, you know, as a move to sort of try to get on top of this idea that, oh, it's just, it's fine. It's just my gas range. You know, it's not really a big deal. Um, So I think we're going to see more and more of that. And to me, that kind of then you know, sort of further undercuts the idea that um, LNG is a um, legitimate um, low impact fuel option. I mean, it's just not safe for people. There's, you know, risks of explosions. There's risks of being poisoned. Um, And actually, you know, I just bought a house this year uh, and the um, stove that was there had an, it was an electric stove. And um, I'm blown away by how awesome the electric stove is and that induction technology. It's come so far. And uh, I just, I don't, we don't need natural gas. Hmm. No, I don't think we do either. Um, well, what else would you like to tell us about what Citizens for Healthy Bay is doing and what we can look forward to over the course of the summer? Yeah. Um, thank you for asking that. One of our, most exciting programs that we've developed over the last couple of years has been our environmental justice camp for girls. It's a summertime program and um, it's really the brainchild of uh, Tawana Nobles. Um, we, we worked with her and um, you know, prior to the pandemic for the two summers prior to the pandemic, we brought girls together for a couple weekends each summer and just had STEM focused um you know, experiential training where we would do tide pooling, learn about microplastics, do some uh, learning about environmental justice and health disparities, and just try to like weave it all together in a way that was a a really fun weekend. And it, um, I loved it so much. You could just, you could see that the brains were turning. You could just see that it was the super cool experience and um, that it would be something the girls remembered. Um, So that was really fun. And, uh, the pandemic, you know, with the pandemic, we couldn't do it last summer, but we, we tried to do a little bit of, um, getting the girls out for some of our Bay patrols, uh, just on a very limited basis. And this summer we're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to do it again. And, um, we're hoping to expand the program, um, with chief flash eye school and, um, potentially into other communities in Tacoma. And so, um, we have an awesome staff person named Khadija, who is an amazing teacher and just an amazing scientist and outdoors woman. And um, I'm really excited to see where she takes the program. 
That sounds really good. I hope you get a chance to do it. Yeah, me too. Good. All right. Well, Melissa, thank you so much. Um, give us the um, website for Citizens for a Healthy Base. People can uh, find you and look up information. Yep. Uh, it's healthybay.org. And if you go to it and you click on the Our Work tab, you'll see uh, Tide Flats interim regulations. Just click on that. And this explains it. it that page explains uh, where we're at and all about the non-interim regulations. We have a link to our uh, talking points sheet and we ask people to, you know, the most important way to advocate for the future that we want is to tell your story about why you care about it and what you'd like to see. And so the talking points that we provide are just about, you know, what you want to say about uh, the guidance and like about the regulation, but we really encourage people to make it their own testimony. And so, um, so the talking point sheet just helps people feel comfortable doing that. It has instructions about, uh, you know, where to send comments and everything. And then if you want to dive in deeper, we have a um, fact sheet or frequently asked questions sheet that provides more detail. So people are, uh, I hope people will view us as a resource and let us know if you have any questions, ask us on Facebook, ask us over Twitter or Instagram, or just email me, whatever, whatever makes sense. All right. That sounds perfect. Yeah. I mean, Tacoma has an incredible resource. Our waterfront is unique. No other city mm -hmm. in the Northwest has the resources that we have, the beauty that we have at our fingertips. And I think we, we kind of take it for granted. Um, and um, it's something that we have to, um, folks before us, we're fighting for it. We have to fight for it. We'll always have to fight for it, but it's so worth it. It makes, yeah. it makes our city. I, I totally am with you. Okay, folks, uh, look up um, healthybay.org. Write to your city council members. And let's make sure we have the Tacoma of the future that we want that is right for us and right for our families. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.